Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened. And we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged. And we love you. God bless. Doing all right this morning? Yeah. Always feels good to get up here in front of y'all, and y'all have to listen to me babble for 30 minutes. Uh, big facts. All right. Uh, no, we're glad you're here this morning. Um, you know, I wanted to, uh, I didn't know how I wanted to start this message off. Um, but I, I kind of want to flex one of the strengths of our church, I believe. Uh, I think it's cool that we have. Um, you know, contemporary style music, at least, I don't know about now, I know 10 years ago this was contemporary music, um, but I think it's cool that, you know, as a core, we tend to have um, just Old Testament belief in scripture, um, and we believe here that it has absolute authority and power, uh, so, uh, you know, if you look at the top of your bulletin, there's a small passage there, um, I'm actually, I'm going to extend that. Uh, I want to give some context to this passage. Um, so, I mean, are y'all ready to read scripture for like a solid three minutes? You know what I mean? Um, we should get excited about that, right? I mean, it's the word of God. This is alive. This is breathing. This is speaking to us. Um, so I'm going to start off in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32. Uh, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. Saul was the king. Uh, I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Now notice how many times he's saying this Philistine, this Philistine. He's not just calling him Goliath. David is addressing Goliath uh, as to who he is in context. Uh, Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead. May the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it. And took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. So now we got this little, uh, seemingly a boy. Now, I've never met a boy who could pry the sheep from the mouth of a lion. Uh, I get scared when I'm getting chased by a Rottweiler. So uh, we'll just leave that there. David was a boy, but he was a man. Uh, but it said he gave him a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like. For he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these. He protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. So now he's taking the armor off before he goes and fights this giant 10-foot Goliath. Okay, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them in his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with this shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. So right now you have Philistines and Israelites. All right, God's children Versus the pagans who are not God's children uh, at war together. 
and you got this massive valley, and little bitty David is chasing down big old Goliath, who's got a spear and a shield and obvious brute strength over him. But if you notice, he has this confidence every time he says, this Philistine, this Philistine. He said, Goliath walked out towards David with a shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David replied to this Philistine. There it is again, this Philistine. David replied to the Philistine. You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. I'm going to read that again. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. It's pretty brutal. I mean, this, this, this little boy had such confidence that he wasn't just going to take Goliath and match him, that he was going to snuff him out. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. That's for somebody today. I want you to highlight that. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. But not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. As Goliath moves closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. There it is again. He hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. And David ran over, pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. So... Has anybody here ever felt like an underdog in a situation? Yeah? We awake this morning? Uh, I know I have for a fact on many occasions. Um, you know, it's, it's almost funny to me. Uh, back when I was in the Army, um, you know, we would you know, run across certain things, and uh, people just uh, would expect me, because I'm just this big, burly, grizzly bear-looking woolly booger, to be able to just handle whatever it was that life was, <laughs> to be able to just handle whatever it was that life was throwing at me uh, and knock it out the park, um, they expected a certain thing from me. Um, but you know, it, it, it's hard to understand how someone's dealing with a situation when you don't know their vantage point. Um, that's going to be your first fill in the blank this morning. Perspective is based on your vantage point. Uh, I think it's super, super important to understand that we all experience different things from different angles. So, you know, uh, whenever it comes to uh, divorce, addiction, um, you know, any sort of hindrance on your life, uh, spiritually or physically, uh, you may have the same situation as someone, but it's never the same situation, right? Because uh, we're all different, we're all unique. Um, and you know, what's, what's crazy about this is, you know, this is not the first time that, you know, an underdog has gone against a big man. Um, it wasn't the first time that, uh, you know, war had broke out. It wasn't the first time that two men went toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Um, but there was something unique about it. You know, whenever David ran through that valley at Goliath, uh, he had his own people behind him. And then he had the Philistines across from him. 
And I bet there were some people on his own side that were naysayers, yeah? You think that there was people back there whispering, chatting? He can't do it. He's too small. He can't handle this. As if they, the people of Israel themselves had lost their own faith and confidence in the promises of God at some point, right? And we read about the, all through the Old Testament where Israel just kept screwing up and God kept having to check them. Uh, and David was kind of like a beacon of, of true confidence in God's promise. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's always those naysayers. And I think we live in a world today where Facebook and Instagram, uh, you know, Twitter, uh, everybody's opinions um, aren't necessarily positive, but everyone wants to portray a certain thing. And, you know, you find yourself judging other people and comparing yourself to other people. And that's, that, that's very dangerous because you're not really seeing their life from the vantage point that, 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 that is truthful. Uh, and I think we can get caught up and wrapped up in the comparison game. Um, and, you know, it's funny because I, I, I like to say we live in the second hippie generation. Uh, you know, it's like it's come full circle back around. Um, you know, people are fighting for wildlife conservation and, uh, you know, these sort of things. And, you know, we're supposed to be locking arms and hugging each other in peace, love, and joy. Um, but I also think we live in one of the most judgmental generations um, everybody's judging somebody and everybody's got something to say about somebody else's uh, situation. So I think it's very important that we understand that whenever we watch our brothers or our sisters walk through something, bing, whenever we watch our brothers and sisters walk through a storm, uh, the rain's hitting them different than it might be hitting you. So we have to be very careful. Um, and I know that's not a big theological truth, uh, but I think that there is truth in understanding. That's something that's taken me years to wrap my mind around. Um, you know, there's a big uh, deal right now in the U.S. with anxiety, with depression. And, uh, you know, I was a different person five years ago. Uh, when I was in the Army, um, I had a couple of loved ones that were struggling with such a thing. And I was a very mean, cruel, I was that suck it up and carry on guy. And it, it, does, it doesn't work that way. Uh, and what that was was me not being able to wrap my mind around their situation. Um, but we're not going to beat a dead horse. Uh, I just want you to understand that it's very important that we understand people's uh, fight before we start judging their fight. Um, and it's important that you understand yours. Uh, and that's what we want to talk about this morning. So, uh, you know, a good example of that, I would say, is uh, we lost my uncle um, at the beginning of the year. And, uh, you know, it hurt, obviously. Losing a loved one, um, it, it can be brutal. Uh, luckily, God took him within days of him falling ill, and it was quick. But pain set into our family. And I experienced uh, my uncle's death from a certain perspective as his nephew. He was, if you didn't know him, he had Down syndrome. He had a mind in some ways of a child. Uh, so he was like a big brother to me when I was over there. Uh, you know, at Nana and Papa, I was visiting. I experienced it one way. Dad was his brother, real brother. He experienced it from a different perspective. Nana experienced it from mother to son. Uh, it's all different. Um, and understanding that, I think, is what helped our family lock arms to support each other during that time. Uh, so that leading into the next fill in the blank, that our perspective is a reflection of our confidence and God's promises, all right? Your perspective is a reflection of your confidence in God's promises, all right? How you look at a situation 
uh, I have found has everything to do with do you really believe the Bible, uh, you know, in essence of it, 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 it is authoritative scripture. Like when God says something, do you really believe that it's going to happen? Because um, I think sometimes, you know, like Donna said, we, we tend to get wrapped up in the world and we forget to separate ourselves. And I think a lot of that is because we lose sight of how much truth is really in God's promises. And then we start taking it for granted. And then it just becomes secondhand and not firsthand. David drew his confidence from the covenant of Abraham. Uh, Genesis 17.7 says, I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you. From generation to generation, this is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. So, whenever we were reading that lengthy passage of scripture, I kept saying, you know, notice how he kept saying this Philistine, the Philistine, the Philistine. You know, he, Goliath had a name. I, I, I would be highly confused if I was walking across the parking lot one of y'all were like, hey, look at the Jerseyite, the Jerseyite, the Jerseyite. Like I, like I got a name, you know. So I think it's, it, I'm from Jersey if you didn't know. Uh, so I think it's weird. I thought it was weird how he was calling him the Philistine, this Philistine. Uh, and then I started thinking about this covenant, this Abraham's covenant that, that they operated inside. See, nowadays we have what's called the new covenant. That is the cross. That's the gospel message of Jesus dying on the cross and rising three days later for the forgiveness of our sins. Uh, back then they were under Abraham's covenant. Um, it, it's like we don't talk about it, but that's what circumcision was the mark of that covenant. And he looked at Goliath, not as a 10-foot man with muscles, but as an uncircumcised Philistine. And he said, I'm a circumcised Israelite, which means I fall under a certain set of promises. And that means I can harness a certain set of power that he can't. And I want to ask you this morning, if you're really part of the new covenant, are you taking hold of the power and the peace that God has to offer you through the cross? Or are you looking at him going, I can't do this, I can't do this. I don't care if it's divorce. I don't care if it's cancer. I don't care if it's death in the family. You got to look at it and say, you uncircumcised Philistine. So I'm trying to sweat out a fever up here. So, you know, I heard, uh, if anybody know who Tony Evans is, I know David does. He put me on him. Uh, really, really, really good uh, teacher. Uh, he preaches the word uh, with passion, and he brings it down, and he teaches at the same time. Um, so I really recommend Dr. Tony Evans. Uh, but I heard him explaining the covenant one time, and he said, uh, you know, think of it like an umbrella. Uh, you know, you can be holding the umbrella that doesn't necessarily mean that you're standing under the umbrella. You know, you can, you, can, you can be operating inside the covenant, but not under the covenant. See, uh, I, think, I think God allows us uh, as believers, uh, whenever we step away from the plan and purpose that he has for us, to walk through some stuff if we put ourselves in that own shoes, you know. If we've, if we've jumped over the guardrail and he's told us a hundred times to stay in the middle of the road, Sometimes he goes, okay, you're going to get your feet muddy, but that's okay. But, you know, for the time being, you're going to walk through some stuff. You know, sometimes we've got to learn the hard way, you know what I mean? So he was explaining how you could be uh, in the covenant but not under the covenant. Uh, and I think, you know, whenever it comes to, uh, we call it sanctification in college, uh, you know, with how it is 
that uh, we, you know, the fruit that we bear in, in our deeds, if you will, uh, it's the most layman's term I know how to put it, uh, but how we actually operate as Christians uh, inside of our faith, um, you know, showing God's love to people, uh, not being a turd. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. Uh, you know, T- Tony said, you know, you... Tony said, you know, you, you, can, you can be in the covenant and not under the covenant. So I think sometimes we block our own blessings because we forget that we have the umbrella in our hand. And he said, if you operate under the covenant and in the covenant, aligned with God, you ain't going to get wet. Right. All right. So uh, the, next, the, the, the next thing that comes to mind whenever I think about David and Goliath uh, is that our perspective changes with our walk with Christ. Um, you know, I think it's so crucial to understand that our distance between student and rabbi directly reflects what our life is going to look like and how we perceive things that we experience. Um, you know, Dwayne, I heard Dwayne say one time, uh, you know, well, we're supposed to follow our rabbis so close that the dust kicks off their sandals and covers you. Um, and sometimes we don't follow Jesus that close, do we? Uh, and sometimes whenever we don't follow Jesus that close in a dark, dark world, and he's the only light that there is, we can stumble off course, right? Because if you're not close to the light, how can you see? Uh, so, you know, me and Dwayne went, uh, went to a one-day pastors and teachers meeting, or a conference, I'm sorry. And they had a guy there talking about finances. And everything he was saying, um, I was like, man, that... You could take that so much more than finances. And he was talking about identity. And, you know, the problem with a lot of people who feel like they're lost in their faith, uh, you know, like, like, like they, they've lost this connection with God. Um, or, you know, people who, who are struggling to get closer to Jesus uh, have an identity problem. Um, see, if you think about, he said there's two different main identities. Uh, he said that you have people who identify as an orphan. And, uh, you know, orphans are always fighting tooth and nail with the rest of the orphanages to get what they can get. Uh, you know, they feel like they have to do it on their own and that they're alone and that they don't need no help. And I think sometimes we can be bullheaded Christians and we can try to act like we don't need no help. And sometimes we get smacked for doing it. Uh, but, but then he talked about, uh, you know, being a firstborn, identifying, uh, you know, as a firstborn uh, in the essence of we have an inheritance coming our way. Um, we call it a perfect heaven and earth that we're going to spend with Jesus for eternity. Amen. Uh, and even right now, the Bible promises uh, that under this new covenant, uh, you know, you are not an orphan, that you have things that you have access to right now, such as prayer. You can hit your knees and be in the presence of Jesus immediately, no matter where you're at. I mean, good grief, y'all. Saul wrote half of the New Testament in a prison cell. Not, not a prison cell like now, but like in a rat-infested center block prison cell with no lights. Um, that's, I mean, and that's just another thing that we take for granted, but we have access to that. Uh, if Clint Angie would come up, um, I know we're throwing you off right now, Dwayne. Donna, I'm going to borrow your mic. Is that okay? Okay. I'm going to break it. But as we grow, grow closer to the Lord... Uh, I think we start naturally identifying differently, uh, not so much as orphans, 
but more as uh, people who, who have Jesus close to us and is our father and we are his child and that we're not alone. Uh, but we have to get close to him to be able to experience such a thing. Uh, so, you know, these two right here, uh, if you don't know their story, you should probably ask them about it. It's pretty dope. We're going to hear a little bit of it right now. Uh, you know, the, the uh, perspective changes our walk or changes with our walk with Christ. And I think these two are a great example um, of how, you know, we all have a drastic change in being lost to being found. Um, and they've had a very unique story of growing in Christ together while walking through some storms. Um, so, let's see. Let me drop my phone real quick. I got a couple questions I want to ask y'all. Is that okay? Sure. All right. No, this is both of you separately. Okay. What kind of uncertainty and doubt did you feel about Clint's success when he first went into rehabilitation? Clint had battled drug addiction for so long. Um, for eight years, I prayed for God to, actually, I prayed for God to show me how to fix him. And that never works. Don't do that. <laughs> um, I suggest you pray for God to ask him to intervene. Um, but I was really upset. I was really scared. I was. And I didn't know if he was going to stick it out. Um, for those that don't know, like, when you go to a place like Victory Home, you can't talk to the client for 14 days. So... For 14 days, I had no idea whether Silence. he had fled yeah. or, you know, what was going on, if he was, like, even entertaining the idea of getting better or anything. So, yeah, I had a lot of doubt. <laughs> what about you, Clint? Do you have any doubt or uncertainty about that road ahead? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm going into a, a strange place. Um, but this, it was faith-based, let me say that. Let me get that. I've been to other rehab that it was not faith-based. Coming in here, you know, my first couple of days, I had my doubts. Like, this ain't going to work. Uh, I've been doing this for so long. I'm living for me. And then I seen the guys around me changing their lives and let, leaning on the Lord and letting the Lord change them. And I was like, you know what? I, I want some of that. I need, I need some of Get that. Get you some Jesus. You know, let, me, let, me see, let me see. Okay, I did it my way for 34 years. Let me, let me try this way and just see if it worked. And <laughs> it, that, it was the best decision I've ever made, you know, right. leaning on, uh, putting everything. At We're the glad you did. Yeah, right? Yep. I am definitely glad. I don't never get tired of hearing y'all's story. <laughs> All right, so this one's going to be a quick answer, just a yes or no. Have you guys grown in your walk with Christ in the last Absolutely. few years? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. All right. Now, 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 here's the point I'm trying to make here is how has it affected your perspectives on the fixing of your marriage and building trust about sobriety and staying clean? How has it affected that in such a way? I would say that before... Um, Clint and I started living our life for Christ. We lived for ourselves. And there was a lot of arguing, fighting, bickering, all of those things that come with not living for him. And now that we do live for him and we do put him first in every situation that we have, whatever it is, whether it's financial or family related, whatever, we put him first. And it is true. He makes it all work out. He really, really does. It's like Dwayne's description, like you said today, Donna. You put him in the, in the center, 
everything falls into place. When you don't, it all falls apart. And he so, will, like you said earlier, will wrap his arms he around will, you. He will. He will. You, you got to lean on him. Yeah. That's and just, trust and him. And trust him. Right. That's, that's, you know? That was my biggest thing was swallowing my pride. Yeah. yeah. My, my pride was, you know, that was a big thing. And he also has taught me, like, you know, you're asking mm-hmm. about when he came home and, like, him staying sober. Right. You know, of course, when he first comes home, came home, I was just like, uh. Oh, great. Here this we go. going to be a thing. Like, is this right? really going to, you know, like, he's been gone for six months. But I've learned, like, God showed me mm-hmm. that I could trust him by his behavior. And, right. you know, and, and when you trust him, it just makes everything so much better. The only way to trust him and experience it's, that is by getting closer and closer yeah, and closer, closer, right? Yeah. So would you say that your perspective on your marriage and his sobriety has changed 100% um, since three, four, five years yeah, ago? a thousand. Right, like way over, yeah, way over 100. So, yeah. well, give him a hand, y'all, for getting up here and talking. So, you know, the whole point of, uh, of, of you know, I, I didn't know how to set this up. See, Dwayne told me, All right, you got an open topic, it's the last Sunday of the year, and I'm thinking, Wow, what a year it's been. You know, everybody has had something to experience, and obviously, you know, I want to end this one off on a positive note, um, but there has been a lot of negativity um, that's gone on uh, just surrounded this church. I think we've made the devil scared in 2019, personally. Uh, but, you know, um, all that to say, you know, these, 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 these few... These few ideas that, that we draw from David and how he handled Goliath and how he had a perspective, uh, you know, with, with his context of being an Israelite versus a Philistine because he had God on his side and he didn't. Uh, you know, that's uh, all, all these different ideas. Um, I wanted to make it, uh, you know, relevant to the church. So, you know, I, I, there's, there's been a lot of stories um, that, you know, we could have picked from this, this year, both good and bad. Uh, and I'm here to tell you that. You know, Dwayne, Dwayne said a couple times now, um, you know, this is supposed to be our best year ever, and now some of us want this year to end. Uh, I'm not making a statement for the church. I'm saying my motto for next year is going to be stronger than the year before because um, I think we got nowhere to go but up. Uh, but whenever you're looking up is when you start changing your perspective on everything that's going on around you. Uh, you know, I've got friends that are uh, facing divorce right now. Um, I know some of us are facing uh, physical ailments, uh, whether it be, you know, um, seizure, stroke, heart attack, uh, cancer. Uh, It doesn't matter because that's just an uncircumcised Philistine who's trying to put you down. Whenever you're really standing up here, you just ain't got your goggles on. You know what I mean? You're not looking at it through the right filter. Uh, You know, I know that's it. It it seems so simple, but it's just not simple um, to just look at life, you know, through a biblical lens. That's but that, that, that's what we do as Christians. We, we strive for that every single day. Uh, so uh, I know that this, is, this one was kind of short this morning. Um, but I really wanted to just let the scripture talk. Man, whenever you go home today, I, w- I want you to, to, you know, if you need to, make a list of all the junk that you put up with over this past year. All right, don't be afraid to, to write it down and look at it. And, you know, they, they say the hindsight's twenty twenty, right? You know, if you don't know what that means, that means looking back in time, you know, you can see it so much clearer than whenever you were walking through the fog. Uh, you know, but I think that we don't need hindsight. 
Because whenever we get close to Christ, he gives us foresight. And that's what David had. David had foresight of what was going to happen. You didn't see any verse in there that said he, he kneeled and cried and got his emotions out of the way. He charged that joker with a rock and a slingshot. All right. And, you know, I think it's easy to, to come here in church on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings and, and have our big uh, football huddle. We say break and go sit down on the sidelines a lot of the time, don't we? Uh, instead of running at our Goliath with a, with a rock and a slingshot. Uh, so today, uh, before you go, I want to give you some smooth stones to take with you. It's pretty good, wasn't it? I want to give you some smooth stones to take with you. Uh, see, see, God's already given you these tools to fight, to fight these Goliaths. Uh, you know, your first one's going to be change your distance from Christ so he can change your perspective on life. Uh, and you say, how do I change my distance from Christ? Well, I say the first thing you can do is speak to him. First thing you can do is talk to him. You know, I'll tell you what, we did a prayer uh, pact or whatever we called it. I can't, we, we did 30 days of prayer for, uh, for marriages where a man and woman pray together every single day for 30 days. And I'll tell you, my marriage was on top, you know, was on its head at that point and it flipped it right side around. And if you're married, you know how important it is to cherish your marriage and to protect it and guard it. And that's something that I wasn't practicing and, you know, speaking to the Lord on a daily basis with my wife changed everything. So say you got a stepdad or a mom or a half-brother or a sister or a son, a daughter, somebody that, you know, you don't have a good relationship with. I dare you to hold their hand and talk to God for 30 days and see if your relationship with each other don't change. All right, number two, change your understanding of his promises so he can change your perspective on life. So we need to read the word, guys. Uh, I don't know what's closer to talking to God than to reading his word when he's talking back to you. Um, you know, I encourage you. And he's, a lot of people say, well, I don't know how to read the Bible. Or first off, go to growth track. Uh, they say, I don't know how to read the Bible. Or I don't know how to pray. Uh, and I know this, this sounds like scary, but do them at the same time. Talk to God while you're reading. Ask him what, you know, I don't understand this. And you will be amazed at how he will, he will open your mind up and change your perception of scripture. And that's what we call it a living and breathing thing. Because every single time we read it, we draw something different. I've drawn confidence from David and Goliath. I've drawn, uh, you know, we talked about earlier, uh, you know, having a different vantage point. I've drawn so much from this one story that I've heard my entire life. You know why? Because the word is living and breathing and it's God's way of talking back to you. I'm going to try not to get off on a tangent again. I'm sorry. All right, number three. Change someone else's understanding of his promises so he can change their perspective on life. All right? I think it's just as important that we evangelize and we spread the gospel. See, the last thing, see, of all the things that Jesus talked about here on this earth, you know, if, read the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, you know, read, read about how he prayed to God in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, all these great, you know, there's a lot of, you know, theological truths that he's dropped uh, on his 30-something years here on this earth. But the last thing he said was go to the ends of the earth and make disciples. And I think that we find Christ more in making those disciples and making those converts than we do whenever we sit at the house and stay in our little nerfy bubble and we're scared to get out. See, Paul wasn't scared to get out. Paul went from town to town to city to city. He got the snot beat out of him, stoned and ran out of town. You know what he did? He went and wrote half the New Testament. See, and I, I think sometimes we get 
we get caught up in this perception that these Goliaths are too big. We can't handle them. And that we, I'll just, I'll never be a Paul. You have no idea what God has for you. And I think that you're blocking your own blessings whenever you have that perception of life. I can tell you because I did that to myself. I said, God can't use me. I cuss too much. God can't use me. I drink too much. I said, God can't use me. I'm too wild. God can't use me because, you know, I, I, I don't respect my wife like I should. And that was using me to help fix my other friends' marriages. And it's so backwards, but it's so not. Don, if you could come play. Um, you know, I, I told myself, uh, you know, every time I get up here, that there needs to be some, it's only a couple times a year, so there needs to be some sort of uh, response that, you know, just as God gives us word back whenever we speak to him, I want you guys to have uh, a chance to respond to this message. So whether you... Or, you know, we talked about the new covenant, the old covenant. You know, the new covenant is the cross. If you don't have the power of the cross in your life today, first off, I'm so sorry. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how I did it. But this is an opportunity for you to respond uh, to being lost. Because you can be found right here on your knees. You can be found right there sitting in your seat where you're at right now. Uh, you know, we, we'll have a prayer team that will come forward and we'll lay hands on you. We'll pray for you. Nothing crazy. We're not going to push you on the ground, but we're going to ask that God does some work in your life, and that's okay. Uh, it, you know what? If you're shy, put it on your bulletin or put it on your connection card. Drop an offering bag. We want to be able to pray for you. And the second thing I was thinking, I was like, man, you know, because I believe in the power of an altar. That whenever we get on our face before God, get on our knees before God as a corporate environment, we lock arms together on our knees. That it's the most humbling and empowering thing that can happen to a body of believers. So tonight, so I'm sorry, so this morning, if you have a relationship that's staring you in the face that you feel like you can't handle, or you have an addiction staring you in the face that you can't handle, or you got a, a diagnosis staring you in the face that you feel like you can't handle, I dare you to come up here to these altars and worship God and speak to him and say, you uncircumcised Philistine. Because this is where it happens. This is the battlegrounds right here. So if you will, uh, we're going to sing a couple choruses. Uh, just speak to the Lord right now. Because you
prayer fingers from the earthly let us love your glory because everything is ours everything is ours in you prayer fingers from the earthly let us love your glory because everything is ours everything is ours in that you are who you say you are, Lord, and that you give us peace and power and protection. 